In a surprising twist, it looked like things had settled down, that Sonny Dykes was going to continue with this staff, this coaching staff, as constructed into the 2024 season. But on Sunday, we got word that Joe Gillespie will not return as defensive coordinator. The Frogs will have a new signal caller on that side of the ball starting next season. Let's talk about it and react to it all next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is you get podcasts in its audio variety. Uh, big news coming down on Sunday. As I said, not the move itself not super surprising, but here's what happened. Joe Gillespie has been let go as defensive coordinator by the TCU Horn Frogs. Sonny Dykes made this known on Sunday afternoon. Jeremy Clark from Horn Frog Blitz. I saw he had it first. He said, sources have told me TCU defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie has been let go as the Frogs defensive coordinator. Gillespie spent two years with the Frogs DC. Sonny Dykes is looking quickly to find a replacement. It will not be internal. So a few things there. One, they're making this move. It's not going to be an internal hire, so they're not promoting somebody like maybe Paul Gonzalez, who's been on staff for a long time as a safeties coach. That's not going to happen. They're going to go uh, outside, you know, to another person with experience and let them take over that side of the football, which is interesting. Now, as I said, the move itself, not really surprising. Um, Now, I was higher on Joe Gillespie than most. In year one, I thought his defense did a really good job. Did not have high expectations for that defense. Coming off a really rough year in 2021 for that unit. Both sides of the ball, honestly. Had some turnover there, some shuffling around. And so I figured it would be kind of a rebuilding situation. Also, Sonny Dykes and his track record, not exactly known for being someone who emphasized the defense side of the ball too much. Um, He was an offensive coach. That's what he knows. That's his expertise. Nothing wrong with that. Just kind of felt like the defense wouldn't be the top priority like it was under Gary Patterson. Um, and I thought overall that unit did pretty well. Like there were some bad moments, there were some bad halves, but for the most part, they were able to keep up with teams. It seemed like they made adjustments well during games. Georgia game, total tire fire, right? Um, Michigan's second half was pretty rough, but that was an explosive offense. And they were also able to force some pick sixes. It really did feel like in 2021, or 2022, I guess I should say, it was the epitome of, Bend but don't break. They had a knack for getting stops when they had to. They had a knack for forcing turnovers when they needed to. They won the turnover battle. They played good complimentary football. This season was the opposite of that. There were some bright spots. You know, the BYU game, they played well. Uh, I thought they played well against West Virginia. Held them to 10 points in the second half. Unfortunately, the offense didn't score, right? But this was a defense that was returning seven starters. It was year two of Joe's system. And you thought that, hey, this should be the unit, in theory, that kind of leads the charge while the offense is getting a new quarterback, a new play caller, uh, shuffling around the offensive line while they're trying to kind of find their footing. This defensive team, this defensive you know part of the team, should be really solid. And maybe for the first month of the season, should be able to kind of get them to a, a place where the offense can get adjusted and do well and not feel pressure to score in every possession. But Colorado game, they give up 45 points, right? They cannot slow down Shadur Sanders. Um, Travis Hunter had a huge night. They couldn't tackle that that day. Just looked slow, looked sluggish. And 
I mean, there were some bright spots, but the issues were the issues all year long, which no pressure on the quarterback. And hey, some of that's personnel, but the the mind-numbingly frustrating thing was just the lack of um the lack of pressure and a lot of it in my mind being because Joe just refused to bring extra players, right? It was always three-man front, four-man front, allowing the quarterback to go through his progressions, allowing the quarterback to get comfortable and putting so much pressure on your secondary to cover for long amounts of times, to cover in scramble drills, to cover when the play broke down. And it's it's harder and harder to keep those receivers from finding open space. Um, and it was a defense that was supposed to limit big plays, and they didn't limit big plays. I mean, you saw in the Oklahoma game, just explosive play after explosive play, especially through the air, which, I mean, the the, the in theory, the point of the 3-3-5 stack is to keep everything in front of you, force teams to go on long methodical drives, you know, stand up in the red zone. Uh, maybe there's a penalty that puts them behind the sticks. Maybe there's a mistake that leads to a tackle for loss that puts them behind the sticks, and then your defense can capitalize. But that just did not materialize this season. But all that being said, I was on board with keeping Joe going into next season until the OU game. But they just looked so bad in that ball game, and it wasn't the first time we've seen the defense just look completely lost. Um, and at that point in my mind, I thought they had to make a move. Now, the last week I said I didn't think anything was going to happen because it had been two weeks now since the season ended. And if you're making these moves, if you're making these decisions, typically you're doing it quickly, especially in today's world of college football. I mean, we see coaches now get fired midseason because of early signing day, because of the transfer portal, because of just all the different tentacles that are, you know, now connected with these changes. And they hadn't made a move. So the timing is strange. And I'll say this. I guess I should have started with this. There's a human element to this, right? Like, I don't relish in any way somebody losing their job. I don't enjoy coming on the podcast and calling for someone to lose their job. I try to be very careful not to do that on a weekly basis because I want to be someone that has a respected opinion and not just overreact to everything, right? And uh, it's it's not a move that, as someone who's you know in the media, even though I'm not an insider or anything like that, but as someone who has a platform, however small or large it may be, um, I don't want to make that my shtick, where I'm just asking for people to get fired every week. I realize that that's a serious thing. And I know Sonny Dykes, he really likes Joe Gillespie. The players seem to really like him. They played, I thought they played hard for him, but the execution wasn't there. And ultimately, he decided to move on. Now, the timing of this, here's what I hope is happening behind the scenes. I would hope that it's late, later in the process than we would expect, but that Sonny Dykes already has someone or a few people in mind. <laughs> And that he's had some conversations, not with the entire team, but maybe with some individuals on this roster currently. And it just kind of floated the idea, like, hey, if we made a move, what would your reaction be? Now, I'll say this to, to our listeners and viewers today. Um, they made this move. They made this decision. There are most likely going to be uh, high school commits that decommit now. They're most likely going to be 
kids on this current roster, players on this current roster that are going to hit the transfer portal. I don't know how many. We'll see. Um, because they committed to Joe Gillespie. Uh, regardless of what people say, I know a lot of people are very negative on him right now. I understand it. But they believed in him. They either believed in his scheme or they believed in him personally. And a big part of the reason they wanted to come to TCU is because of him. Because of how, you know, he talked with them, how he saw them, envisioned using them in his defense. And so you're going to see some turnover. To what extent, I don't know. Um, But it's going to happen. So don't freak out when you see some names at the portal, because I think that's going to happen. Now, that being said, I would hope that the coaching staff, when they decided to make this move or when this move was announced, that they were on the phone or in person and they were talking to Dominic Williams and they were talking to Avery Helm and they were talking to uh, Marcus Deal and Avion Carter and Zach Chapman and guys like that and saying, hey, stick with it. You know, what What can we do to calm the waters here? What can we do to answer your questions? Um understand your concerns. What are you thinking? What's, what's your thought process like right now? Because there are talented players on this defense that you want to keep. The reality is, I don't know who it is, but some people are probably going to move on, right? And you're bringing in a new coordinator with a new system, which means that DC is going to have to look at the roster and say, okay, what personnel fits what I do? Which personnel doesn't really fit what I do? What does this high school class look like? How can I assess how they're going to fit in with my vision for the future? Okay. Um, And those are complicated things and it's going to have to happen really fast. Uh, I I think it was Nelson Reynolds asked me on Twitter. He was like, signing day is coming up soon, right? Yeah. It's coming up a week from Wednesday. And so that makes me think, because I think Sonny Dykes is a smart person, a good football coach. Uh, That would lead me to believe that he has a short list. And that shortlist might even just be one name, maybe two names of people that he thinks he could go get. Another reason why I believe that I saw Zach Barnett from football scoop report this. He said one sources indicate the Sunny Dykes is his next chief defensive assistant in mind. The new coordinator will be an experienced name that comes from outside the program, which is what Jeremy Clark said as well. That's going to come from outside the program. Um, he also said corners coach Carlton buckles, Safeties coach Paul Gonzalez and defensive line coach Jamarcus McFarlane are all expected to return. So I can't imagine, which I, I think those are good. Those are good people to keep. Paul Gonzalez has been around forever. He's done a great job with the safeties. Uh, Carlton Buckles has done a nice job with the corners. Jamarcus McFarlane, um, it, it's kind of early to tell what his vision is and what he's kind of done with the defensive line. I'm really interested to see in a new system what the responsibilities of the D-line are going to be, and maybe there's more freedom for edge rushers and interior guys to get to the passer and not be double-teamed as much. Um, But Jamarcus seems like a really good recruiter, young coach, energetic, good dude. And so I'm glad these guys are staying on staff. I would think that Sonny wouldn't make these promises unless he felt like whoever it is that's coming in is okay with this situation. It's okay with keeping those three coaches on staff. Um. So that leads me to believe that this will be a pretty quick search. Now, are there some logistics and hoops they're going to have to jump through like any other hire at the university level? I'm sure there are. But I can't imagine this is going to be a long, exhaustive search because of the timeline. Um, Bottom line, though, I feel like this was a move that had to be made. It's unfortunate. It stinks. It's not what anybody wants to do. 
but sometimes it has to be done. And just watching that Oklahoma game, and it wasn't just that. But just year two, it felt like this was a defense that could improve. They didn't really do that. And the things that this scheme was supposed to prevent and be elite at, like limiting explosive plays, um, making teams go on long methodical drives, playing good fundamental defense, tackling well, those things just weren't happening. And so hopefully whoever comes in next will uh, re-energize this defense side of the ball and get them to a place where they're playing better, more complimentary football going into next season. When we come back, who are some of the names to know? Uh, and TCU landed some players in the transfer portal. We landed one player in the transfer portal, and there's another player in the transfer portal um, that allegedly is close to committing, and they're both from the same school. That's all coming up here in Lockdown Horn Frogs. I told you before, you can't mess around with your vehicle. Right parts, right fit, right prices. eBay Motors, they'll get you there. Passion, drive, and patience. It's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're in speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts and prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com. That guarantee fit program is fantastic. It's really clutch because it will tell you exactly what you need. eBay Motors, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. TCU, they continue to be active in the transfer portal, um, which is great, right? I mean, you need more talent on this roster. You need to fill some holes going into next season. I spent a lot of time last week talking about the offensive line, um, and they added Carson Bruno from Law Tech. Uh, he played tackle at Louisiana Tech, maybe ends up at guard at TCU. Seems like there might be some position flex there. But bottom line, another body in that O-line room that can come in and potentially start for you next season. Um, they also added defensive lineman on Friday. I didn't get to talk about him on Friday's show because I recorded before he committed. Uh, but Nana Osafa Mensa from um, Notre Dame. And Nana had a really uh, good career for the Fighting Irish. Um, he was He's a graduate there, so he's already got his degree. I think actually Jamie Plunkett from Horn Frog Wisman said he has two degrees from Notre Dame. Um, but he appeared in 39 games over the course of his career, including all 12 games this past season. He included 20 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and three sacks, and had four tackles in a win over USC earlier this year. Um, and for his career, five sacks, 48 tackles, and nine tackles for loss. So disruptive presence on the defensive line was part of the 2019 recruiting class. For the Fighting Irish, um, he's from Nolan Catholic, so he's a DFW kid originally. So he's coming back home. And uh, a couple of things that I like about this one is obviously it's just <clears throat> more players that can rotate there at that defensive line position. Uh, Rick DeBrew announced that he's headed to the NFL. He played some snaps for TCU this past season. Tico Brown, another transfer player, he's also graduating and moving on to the next chapter of his life. Um, see if he can play professional football. And then Sonny Misi will be gone also. So you're losing some uh, some beef off that D-line. Uh, now Dominic Williams should be back, uh, potentially Caleb Fox and Tymon Mitchell. And then you have the young guys that you can work in, Marcus Deal, Carter, Zach Chapman. Um, now you add uh, Nana to that mix as well. 
an experienced player, played a lot of snaps at Notre Dame, has shown an ability to get to the quarterback, uh, get sacks. Again, it's kind of strange timing because you're changing defense coordinators. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, a, a guy that in the three three five could potentially play inside, play outside, um, because a defensive end in that scheme is, you know, not on the edge like it typically would be. Um, so can take on double teams, can be a presence, uh, reestablish the line of scrimmage, get to the quarterback at times. But now you have a new uh, play caller that's going to be on the helm. So uh, I don't know how much Vince knew about that before he decided to commit, um, but you would hope the the appeal of coming back home, getting a chance to play a lot of snaps for a TCU team um, that needs a good thing. Also, just kind of looking around at his career at Notre Dame, um, there were some you know videos that featured him where – it seemed like he was a really big leader on this team, you know, pregame speeches. Uh, they did a cool thing on YouTube where they showed his number 31 and he talked about the importance of that number to him, you know, his family, like getting to lead uh, this team at Notre Dame, getting to be a part of this program was really exciting. So a veteran presence helped these young guys continue to come along and grow and develop um, as well as be an impact player on the field. Seems like a huge win-win and a nice pickup for TCU. Again, just getting more experience, getting better on both sides of the line of scrimmage is going to be huge this year. And the D-line, in some ways, they did what they were asked to do last year because it's it's not a defensive line in Joe's scheme that is really required or asked to get to the quarterback snap after snap. Um, but I would just love to see some more aggressiveness in 2024. And I know everybody's on board with being that in that regard, but – uh, just getting the quarterback off spot, flushing him out of the pocket, hurrying throws, getting sacks, getting QB pressures um, is going to be a huge part of this. And hopefully Nana can step in and play right away and kind of get this defensive line back to a place where they're disruptive and wreaking havoc again. Also, just be a really strong presence in the run game and not allowing uh, teams to just run up the middle and run between the tackles like they did times this past season. Also on the transfer front, um, Braylon James. I saw uh, – let me see if I can find this report. Matt Zenith from 247 Sports. Um, he said, I've joined Jeremy Clark, uh, who covers TCU for 247, and placing a crystal ball pick for TCU to land Notre Dame wide receiver Braylon James. James, class of 2023, top 130 overall recruit, visited TCU this past weekend. So he was there in the facility this past weekend – getting to know the coaching staff, kind of seeing what they were doing, um, making his way around there. Uh, and that's exciting, right? Braylon James, um, he was teammates with Cam Cook in high school, Round Rock Stony Point kid, uh, great size. And I know this kind of goes against what I've talked about in the past with the transfer portal because uh, I said it seems like TCU might be shifting their perspective a little bit with what they're doing and going to players who um, – have had experience maybe at the G5 or FCS level or at the Power 5 level um, and not going after players that kind of it didn't work out at their first Power 5 stop for whatever reason, whether that be, you know, lack of production, uh, injury history, not a lot of playing time. But I think Braylon James is the type of player that you take a chance on because it was only one year, right? Okay, you didn't play as a true freshman, not a huge deal. There's a lot of teams around, the, a lot of players around the country that don't play as true freshmen. That's okay. Um, you can learn, you can develop here, and there's a lot of eligibility left for Braylon James. 
so he can figure it out under Sonny Dykeson's coaching staff, uh, and he can be another big receiver on the outside, potentially to complement Savion Williams, um, and I, I think that could be a good combination. So Braylon James, uh, crystal ball in for him, um, and then Nana Osamensa, uh, the defensive lineman from Notre Dame, is actually committed to the Frogs. So that's all happening uh, in the transfer portal, and we'll keep tabs on who might be next. Uh, Eric McAllister, another name to know, the wide receiver from Boise State, and there are others that TCU are chasing after. We'll wrap things up. When we come back, we'll talk some TCU basketball and more. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. I do want to mention prize picks. If your season-long fantasy team is really struggling, Prize Picks is a great place to go. PrizePicks.com slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's $100 of first deposit match. They'll give you that free money. They have a specials tab so you can bet on combo projections, um, NBA and NFL. And it's simply like betting on stats, right? Like betting on stat totals. You just go up or down depending on the team. Um, celebrities use prize picks. They have an app that's super easy to use. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on college. First deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use that free money today. Daily fantasy games, NBA, NFL. It's the best place to go. They have an injury reboot policy. So if your player gets injured, you'll get another chance to pick another uh, player. So you don't have to sweat like, oh man, you know, Justin Jefferson went down with a chest injury in the first half today. He's definitely not going to hit his target total now. Uh, they have options for you. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college or the prize picks app. They are the best place to go for daily fantasy sports and games. And they're a proud sponsor here of the Locked On Network. So, who are some names to know with this DC search? As I said earlier, I think this is going to be a pretty short uh search because I think Sonny Dykes has to have his guys in mind. Um, nothing's really been reported yet. seems like they're trying to keep this pretty close to the vest. Some names that I've just seen batted around because it would kind of make sense with Sonny's history and just with the availability of these people. Doug Belk, um, who's been at Houston for the last few years, but with Dana Holgerson getting let go by the Cougars, uh, he was asked to move on as well. He's not going to be retained by Willie Fritz's staff, it appears. You know, Doug Belk was at one time like the, one of the hottest names in coaching at that D.C. position. Now, Houston has struggled a little bit in the last few years um, on both sides of the ball, honestly. And obviously, they made a big jump to the Big 12 this past season. But he does run a very aggressive 3-3-5 defense. Um, his teams are known for getting sacks, getting QB pressures which is wildly different than what we've seen here the last few years. So I'd be on board with Doug Belk. Um, I don't know what his options are going to be. I mean, again, I think popular name, uh, a coach that's in well-respected and high esteem in the industry. So he'll have options. Uh, but that's a name that I've seen thrown out there. You know, the pie in the sky option is Zach Arnett, who was the head coach at Mississippi State this past year. He got dismissed with a couple weeks left in the season. Uh, Mississippi State's defense was nasty, and they've been nasty for a long time. He's bounced around and been successful at different stops. Now, you know, a lot of times when coaches get let go like that, they'll kind of take a year, maybe take an analyst position or just take a year off to kind of figure things out. So I don't know if Zach's going to want to jump right back into it. 
Um, and if he does, I feel like he's going to have a lot of options and it's going to be an expensive situation. Uh, but that would be a huge pull if they could pull that off. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what's going down. I, I just can't imagine he would make this move this late, though, unless he had someone in mind and had some conversations kind of off the record. Like, hey, would you be willing to make this happen? Um, and so we'll see how that plays out over the next few days. TCU basketball. They took on Clemson on Saturday, and the Frogs fell 74-66. to And it wasn't really that close. They trailed by, you know, 15, 17 points for a lot of the second half. Um, from a scoring perspective, uh, P.J. Hall was impressive for Clemson. He had 17. But actually, the leading scorer of the night was uh, Joseph Girard, the transfer from Syracuse. He had um, 21 points on the afternoon. Uh, for TCU, Emmanuel Miller led the way with 16 points. Another good day offensively. So here's what stood out to me about this game. The TCU played some good defense early. Um, Clemson took an early lead, and then TCU came back and led for a lot of the first half before Clemson went on a nice little run before halftime to have a one-point advantage. Um, again, half-court offense is a struggle for this TCU team. And I saw a lot of people that were very down on, on the basketball team um, after this ball game, And the general consensus was, well, this is the same Jamie Dixon team we've seen for years, really athletic, very good defensively, causes a lot of havoc, but struggles so much in the half court. And the only way they can consistently score is getting up and down the floor on the fast break. I would just say, tap the brakes a little bit. It's a literally to say that. Now, I was skeptical about this team because I felt like it was going to be so hard to replace Mike Miles, who bailed you out a lot the last few seasons. Um, and just drew so much attention from the defense. And so I felt like it was going to be a big adjustment period. Now there's a lot of transfers on this group. And so they're still figuring things out and learning how to gel. Um, I think Jacoby Coles has done a great job. I think Emmanuel Miller has been fantastic. Micah Peavy looks more confident on offense. Jameer Nelson Jr. would love to see more from him. You know, and I, I think that's what they have to figure out. They have to get a ball handler who can who can score consistently and can break things down in the half court <clears throat> when they're struggling and when they're going on these scoring droughts. I would just say, let's not give up on this group yet. Like, yes, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see a team lose in a similar fashion and the way they have the last few years, even though it's new faces. Um, but it's early to just start making grand proclamations about who they are and what they're going to do moving forward. The Big 12 is a tough league. It's going to be difficult. But I think they can bounce back and gel and figure this out and work together. This has been Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll be back again tomorrow. It's your team every day.